Well, it's a privilege to be here with you all again um, for this chapel service. And today, simply want to focus on Luke 5, verses 12 to 16. And the message is titled, The Touch of Jesus. The Touch of Jesus. Luke 5, verses 12 to 16. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded, for a proof to them. But now even more the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Brothers and sisters, think with me for a few moments about the power of touch. The power of touch. Even a simple handshake is significant or the withholding of one. Think about the fact that we are, as enfleshed beings, are wired for touch. And in our fallen world, touch can be harmful and destructive. Think about touch that brings pain. Touch that spreads disease. Think about the kind of touch that makes people feel dirty and soiled inside and out, either because of their own sin or the sins of others against them. Touch. But conversely, think about touch that reassures at just the right time, that hand on the shoulder, that side hug, or grabbing someone's hands to go together to the Lord in prayer. Touch that reassures. Touch that says, I'm here, I'm with you. Touch that communicates warmth and and proper love. I think there's a a class of people increasingly, especially those who who treat it as a calling, that are a class of heroes for me. And those are CNAs. The people that live and work, or the people that work in nursing homes and And they gently wash, and with dignity, they wash people who cannot wash themselves. And people who cannot even control their own bodily functions, they gently clean them with kind words. Touch. Touch. Touch that heals the surgeon's hands, the chiropractor. Sometimes if if that healing, that touch even requires cutting in order to heal. Touch that rescues the people who run into the burning buildings or who run into the bullets, who run into the dangerous situations to grab and pull you to safety. Touch is a way of being with. Touch requires presence. There is no other way to touch than to be present. Well, maybe there are those in your life you would rather not touch that you'd rather love from a distance, so to speak. Of course, we can think of obvious situations. Maybe sometime you want to minister to somebody, but that requires stepping into a roach-infested house that smells of urine. And then this person wants to grab your hands to pray with you. 
There is no other way to touch than to go into that house. But in other ways, maybe it's not a roach-infested house that, that smells a certain way. There are just people we just have a hard time loving that we find difficult, and the Lord sometimes calls us to cross that invisible barrier to pray that He will pour into our hearts the love we need to reach out and to touch this person. Touch. I think we understand uh, more than ever after the last three years, something of what it is to be de denied touch or to have loved ones in hospitals and in care facilities that we are unable to touch. We probably have a better understanding of this than we did even just a few years ago. But you think about it. Think about the roach-infested house or think about the homeless person who hasn't washed himself or his clothes in 10 days who wants to give you a hug. That's what Jesus did when he stepped into our world. When God the Son stepped into our world in our flesh, he was stepping into the roach-infested house that smelled of urine. He came to touch us, the untouchable. And the incarnation was the only way to get that done. We're going to first look in our passage briefly at the leper and then at the Lord. The leper in verse 12 while he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And let's unpack that for just a few minutes in reverse. Let's start with, with leprosy. Today we think, of course, of the, of the dreaded Hansen's disease, which some decades ago was, was completely untreatable and unhealable, and people would be uh, shoved aside into lepers' colonies and for a slow and painful and awful death. But leprosy in the Bible was a much a broader thing. Leprosy in the Bible was, was any skin disease that um, often was contagious. It was a broader set of skin conditions, if you will. And I'm going to leave our resident Old Testament scholar to sort that out with you, exactly what it was and wasn't, because there's a lot of ink spilled on that subject, right? What was the leprosy of the Old Testament? Oh, I, yeah, I, I got to update who's doing what here. Yes. <laughs> True. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm looking back to the Old Testament uh, expert from my days. So, the Jurassic Age. Oh, that's a whole other discussion. All right. <laughs> so we talk about the word leprosy, but now let's go a couple of words back. This man is not doesn't just have leprosy. He is full of leprosy, which means it's impossible to hide it. It's, it's covering his body. It's very dramatic in this man's situation. And then we see there came a man. Here was a man who was truly untouchable according to the Mosaic law. Leviticus 13 verses 45 to 46 tells us what this man was supposed to do, what he was supposed to be doing in this moment. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes, let the hair of his head hang loose, and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. And he shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling place shall be outside the camp. Talk about isolation. Talk about the horrors of, uh, and the devastating effects of being untouchable, of being unclean. And again, I think back to those of us who maybe even watched 
from a distance as loved ones died in hospitals and we could not get close to them. We look at the effects of being untouchable, for example, for orphans who grow up in in places where there are not enough people to care for them. And when they lack touch, they lack development. People abandoned by their families in nursing homes where they don't get visits. And they wither away due to lack of touch. It's real. Isolation and being untouchable. But you know something? It's interesting how in the Bible, as Jesus goes around in the Gospels, he, he heals people, he saves people. The Greek word is often used. He saves people. But when it comes to lepers, lepers are almost always not healed. They're what? They're cleansed. They're cleansed. Because in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, leprosy was a powerful visual of sin and its horrible effects on us and our, on our communion with God and others. Sin makes us unclean. Sin cuts us off. Sin makes us untouchable. We even see that in our human relationships. If we are caught up in our own self-centered and rebellious ways, it will drive others from us and we end up left alone. But it also cuts us off from the God who made us to live in fellowship with himself. I mean, look at the land of Israel. When God's people turned from Yahweh to serve idols and to d- d- dive into the unclean practices of the nations around them, it not only made them unclean in the presence of God, it made their shared house where Yahweh dwelled with them unclean as well. The toxin of sin, the garbage, the filth of sin, the stench of sin filled the house and went up to high heaven and it even came up to God's throne room and God said, I can't live in this mess. The whole land was polluted and corrupted. Psalm 106, 37 to 39. They sacrificed their sins and their daughter, their sons and their daughters to the demons. They poured out innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan. And the land was polluted with blood. Thus they became unclean by their acts and played the whore in their deeds. Or 2 Chronicles 36, verse 14. All the officers of the priests and the people likewise were exceedingly unfaithful, following all the abominations of the nations. And they polluted the house of the Lord that he had made holy in Jerusalem. The three eyes make us unclean. They make God's people unclean. Idolatry, immorality, and injustice. And God says, this house stinks. I can't live here with you under these circumstances. And so here we have this man who is a powerful visual of sin and what sin does. And with bold faith, he draws near. Listen to verse, the rest of verse 12. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. His faith is real. It's deep. It's also desperate. He sees someone who can reverse the curse, who can override the power of uncleanness. And he runs to him, risking rejection or worse. And now we turn our attention from the leper to the Lord. In verse 13, and Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. You know that Jesus didn't need to touch the man to cleanse him, right? He could have spoken a word. But Jesus does everything he does with intention. 
And in this case, he puts a hand on the man and then says, I will be clean. He stretches out his hand to touch him and he shows us, when we look at the old covenant, when we look at life in general, it's uncleanness that's contagious, not cleanness. Uncleanness has power over cleanness. Right during the height of COVID, if somebody in your family uh, or a friend had COVID, you didn't run to their house and say, I'm going to touch you because my health is going to make you, make, you, uh, make you well. Of course not. Uncleanness always overpowers cleanness in this broken world. And so it is so often. We see in the Old Testament, God's people set apart holy to be his, to holy as he is holy. They're surrounded by uncleanness. And it seems like the seep of the contagion, the spiritual contagion always made them unclean rather than the other way around. And so we need someone to step in to reverse the flow so that now cleanness has power over uncleanness. And his name is Jesus Christ. He reverses the flow. His cleanness makes the unclean clean. But to do it, he must touch, or he will touch, to get the job done. And now the Lord gives two instructions in verse 14. And he charged him to tell no one but to go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. Again, Jesus Christ came to fulfill the law. And so he, again, he follows the instructions or tells the man to follow the instructions of Deuteronomy. First of all, he says, tell no one. Well, there could be a couple of reasons for that. First of all, he says, I'm not the one to diagnose. The priests are. Let the priests make the diagnosis and then you can tell everybody. But also, again, because of their misunderstandings of Messiah, he doesn't need this news to go viral right right now. And so he says, tell no one, but then he says, go to the priests in line with Leviticus 14, verses 1 to 4. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, this shall be the law of the leprous person for the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest and the priest shall go out of the camp and the priest shall look. Then in the case of leprous disease, then if the case of leprous disease is healed in the leprous person, the priest shall command them to take for him who is to be cleansed two live birds. The priest's job is to diagnose, look over the man's body, and either pronounce him clean or unclean. But as we can see with the law, the law is like a mirror. It can show you your face. It can show you your uncleanness. The law can diagnose, but it cannot cleanse. Only Christ can cleanse. Only the blood of Christ can cleanse. Christ is the one, or the law drives us to Christ for our cleansing. And here the priest says, how, probably says, how in the world did this happen? And so the man is cleansed as he comes into contact with the one who is willing to assume our flesh and to touch us to the point of death. The incarnation is all about Jesus getting close enough to touch us. And to do so, he had to immerse himself in our roach house, in our mess, because that's how God is going to get the job done so that he can dwell with us again. He has to absorb himself in our, he has to absorb in himself our uncleanness. A few years ago, I had a, 
had a moment where I, I was uh, just walking around my neighborhood and I, I met a guy, he was waiting at a bus stop, and so I was just chatting with him, um, um, a friendly conversation, probably about 10 minutes, and he was smoking weed. Okay, so there it is. And I'm just standing there talking, and then after the conversation, a uh, very friendly conversation, I just realized, oh, I have to now make the five-minute walk to my kid's school to pick something up from the secretary. <laughs> So as I'm going through the door, I'm thinking, oh, wait a minute. And I go through the door, and I say to her, this is going to sound really strange, but if I smell like weed, it's because I was standing by a guy at a bus stop who was smoking weed, and she's looking at me. <laughs> I don't know if she believed me or not. But the point of that is this, is that when Jesus assumes our flesh, and he steps into our mess, he doesn't remain he doesn't remain clean right he became sin for us he absorbs in himself our unclean identity and is viewed by the world around him as being punished for his own sin he takes on our guilt he takes on our sentence he absorbs in himself our uncleanness and perishes on that basis as a covenant breaker that's love that's love And so we see in Jesus the fulfillment of Leviticus 16 where God himself provided the solution to how is he going to live in the mess among his people. Leviticus 16, 16. Thus the high priest shall make atonement for the holy place because of the uncleannesses of the people of Israel and because of their transgressions, all their sins. And he shall do for the tent of meeting which dwells with them in the midst of their uncleannesses. Spring cleaning day, all the garbage gets of our sin gets pulled out, put on Christ, and he takes it away. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Brothers and, Jesus, uh, brothers and sisters, I want to briefly conclude here. How does our Lord Jesus Christ touch the untouchable today? We know that physically in his humanity, he is at the right hand of God. He can't be in two places at once any more than you and I can. But how is he with his people today to touch us? He comes in his word and spirit to not only to be with us, to be in us, yes. John 14, 16 to 18. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And so I hear more often from people, especially in jail ministry, who, who, who don't have access to touch, who don't have access to people that they love, that they talk about the powerful presence and touch of the Lord Jesus Christ in them. What a powerful and beautiful testimony that is. But there's more. Jesus comes to us as well in his body. Yes, Jesus is physically in heaven, but he has a body on earth. He still comes and touches just as he did back then. We are his body on earth. When Jesus was here on earth, he had two hands with which to touch, and he had ten fingers. Now he has millions of hands and billions of fingers. It's exponential. And that's your call. That's my call. To be the touch of Jesus 
We live in a, in a posturing world. We live in a virtue signaling world. We live in a megaphone world. We live in a social media world where everybody hollers everything through a megaphone or an all caps post. But what we need is the touch of Jesus Christ to step across that divide and to touch someone we would not otherwise touch. And so then become embodied presences that can preach the gospel. This was powerfully, powerfully um, exhibited for me back in 2004 in Winnipeg. We um, uh, went to a a conference where um, speakers were were, were talking about... um, how a gospel, a gospel approach to, to sexual orientation and homosexuality. And across the street from this big church, um, there was a, a group of folks from the LGBTQ uh, um, community with their megaphone chanting things on the sidewalk. And, and the us conference goers, we're kind of, we're on this sidewalk walking in and they're over there yelling things at us through the megaphone. And the organizers of the event at lunchtime, they took a bunch of box lunches. They crossed the street and struck up conversations, handed out lunches, handshake, touch. They were present. And lo and behold, halfway through the lunchtime, uh, the person with the megaphone gave the guy the megaphone and said, you want to talk to us? Touch, presence. He comes in his body so that we can touch. My time is up, so I'm going to leave it at this. But notice how Jesus Christ gives us wisdom. He gives us his spirit and his word to help us to learn when we do need to touch no unclean thing, when we do need to avoid uncleanness because it will make us unclean, but also when he gives us, when he through us manifests his power to touch in order to save, cleanse, and make whole. Amen.